Welcome to the first episode of the Elf Finance Podcast. I'm Freed. And I'm Shiloh, also known as LT Snake Plissken. Now, keep in mind, we're not financial advisors, and this is not financial advice. If you're looking for financial advice, please find a licensed advisor in your area. Our mission in this Elk Finance podcast is to provide resources to people who are interested in crypto. Yeah, so this first episode is kind of an overview of cryptocurrency. So we're starting with the basics. I'm heavily involved in DeFi and Fareed is new to the space. So we kind of want to talk about topics that those new to DeFi and crypto as as a whole might want to know about. We're hoping that this might be the start of a great journey where we will dive more and more in depth into more complex concepts in the future. So big thing here, if we get something wrong, please let us know. We welcome your feedback. We're here to learn and share ideas. So Fareed's gonna ask some questions of me and I'm gonna do my best to answer them. And we're gonna see how it goes. Sounds good. I actually have a lot of questions. Perfect. It's almost like we prepared them in advance. Mm. Uh, you know what? I just want to, I always wanted to kind of ask very simple questions and I always felt so stupid about them. But I just used this opportunity to ask them. Everybody in these days talks about crypto. What is crypto? What is cryptocurrency? Yeah, and that's a broad question. And that's something I hope to answer that we can kind of answer more fully in this whole interview. Now, I mean, I guess it's kind of the same thing as that money in your bank that, you know, isn't cash sitting there. When you make a visa transaction, um, you know, it's it's money in the app going somewhere else. Uh, crypto's not tangible, you know, so it's it's almost in the cloud or in this case, the blockchain, uh, as as we kind of know, right? So it, 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 it baffles a lot of people because it's not something you can hold and have. It's something you can maybe check your balance, but like you kind of often get the question like, well, you know, then how is it worth anything, right? That is always my question because I have this old way of thinking that if it's not tangible, it's not real. Right. And I think that's going to be a challenge for traditional investors coming into to crypto. And, and, and currently that's breaking. We've got, uh, you know, a lot of stuff online as we go further and further into the digital age. But when we think about it, I, I kind of repose the same question. Money. Uh, what is money? What is how do we know that has any worth? It's ridiculous. They're pieces of denim or paper. Depending right. on which country, right? You got you got coins, which may, you know, uh, up in Canada, a loony, uh, the metal making that loony might be worth five cents. Now, why is it worth a dollar? Yeah, I totally see your point. You're saying, you know what? We give a value to something. It can be a coin or it can be crypto. Yeah. And, and I think fundamentally, if people believe something has value and they actually put their cash into it, well, then I think it does have value. Okay. I see your point, but you're talking about blockchain and everybody talks about it and they're saying, you know what, this is the biggest invention in a financial system. What is it? What is black blockchain? So a blockchain is like, I think as soon as you mention it, people's like head start to spin, right? And so how I always describe a blockchain to somebody who doesn't really know what that is, 
Who's me? Who is you? Yeah. (laughs) Is we got a picture like an Excel spreadsheet, right? And in each spreadsheet, there's, you know, a certain amount of rows and columns and and squares, cells, right? I understand that. Yeah. (laughs) And of course you would. So. I did that Excel once. Yeah, he saw it once. So in Excel, there's not only just these rows and cells, there's also multiple sheets, right? So you can... You can go uh, from one sheet to another, um, or you know you have another Excel file and another and another. But you, usually you have those tabs on the bottom that are kind of like the sheets. Mm-hmm. Now picture uh, one block as one of those sheets in the spreadsheet. So every one of those cells fills up with a transaction or some other type of data that those cells in that spreadsheet fill up. And as they fill up to a certain point, let's say 3,000 cells, we move to another sheet. Now, moving to another sheet, just like moving to another block. And each block is linked to the block in front of it and before it. Hence, the block chain. Now, you know, of course, we can put anything we want in those chains, lots of data. A lot of the times it's, like I said, transactions on that blockchain of that cryptocurrency or or others. So if I send some money to Fareed, I send some elk his way, um, you know, depending on what blockchain I do that on, right? If I, let's say, we'll talk about the biggest one, Bitcoin, right? If I send you, uh, you know, Bitcoin on, on the Bitcoin blockchain, um, it's going to record that transaction in a cell mm-hmm. of that spreadsheet. And that's there forever once it's validated by a bunch of independent people and they all come to the same conclusion that that transaction is valid. But you're saying that permanency, so this goes forever? Isn't that going to cause a lot of memory issues? You know, Because when we start kind of using this cryptocurrency for... Uh, I don't know, daily transactions. How is that going to work out? Well, yeah, with crypto, like the blockchain isn't all that big. It's a bunch of text, really. Um, so it, you can actually download the whole uh, Bitcoin blockchain if you want, which has been around since, what, 2009? Um, and that only takes up maybe, what, 300 gigabytes, maybe? And and that's that's going back that far. So you you can actually when you do get like a a wallet where so that you can see your stuff on the blockchain whatever Bitcoin or Ethereum or Elk you've got um, you know you you can download that entire blockchain with a wallet uh, and and you have the record of every transaction that's ever taken place in the blockchain. So when you're saying a download, what does that mean in a context of uh, privacy? Mm-hmm. And that's the funny thing about the blockchain and privacy. Every transaction that's ever taken place on the blockchain, you can see what address sent it. Uh, you can see what address received it. Um, you can even go into those addresses and see what their current balance is. Um, it's all public. You can't do that with a bank, right? Like that's You're going to get in some serious trouble. And that kind of turns the traditional uh, idea of finance on its head. Though... Unless somebody tells you their address and 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 keeps using only that address, you of course wouldn't necessarily easily be able to um, 
find that address and trace all of their transactions. So you're telling me that my mom cannot go there and just figure out how much money I have. She couldn't unless you give her your address and continue to use that wallet. Oh, damn. Right? I'm honest with her. the whole information she asked for. I know. It's terrible. You're, yeah. you're a great son, but a bad investor. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> uh, you know, there's another one. Uh, I don't know. People talk about DeFi, DeFi. What is DeFi? So it's, an, it's one of those uh, fun combinations of two words. So DeFi, the D is decentralized. Fi is finance. So decentralized finance. So what does that mean? Well, so there, if we look at traditional means of financial institutions, banks, for example, are what are called centralized finance. Okay. They're, they're, they're there. There's one entity responsible for verifying all of the transactions and they get to control it. That's right. right? And they charge you dearly. And they that. charge you dearly for it. It's crazy. Um, and... So that's what centralized finance is. It's traditional finance. Now, decentralized is, it's of course, exactly the opposite. Um, it's independently validated. Um, and it's kind of got anonymity and self-ownership kind of at its core. So that's where the community kind of decides something's value. The uh, Everyone kind of validates everyone else's transactions. If you're running a node, I'm not going to get into that part but there's you know a lot of independent people that uh and well computers not so much people that are responsible for verifying those transactions so they're then cemented in the blockchain and that transaction goes through so when you're saying a community decides on a value what do you mean by that well so the community can decide to dump a certain amount of liquidity meaning money uh in basic terms into something and you know, you, you can use a credit card, let's say, or, or, or a debit card to buy something on Coinbase or Binance, right? Uh, and you, you invest in that, that currency. Um, those are centralized exchanges. And we'll get into that later. Okay. Um, though, you know, that, that would be your on-ramp to get on. Um, but when you take that off the, you know, uh, Binance or, or Coinbase, off the centralized exchange, and you take it on uh, off to, to decentralized finance, you're essentially putting that liquidity in, that money you spent on whatever currency and took it out. You actually moved liquidity, real money, into uh, that project that you invested in, that you that you moved off Binance, that's now yours. Um, people, have heard, people talk about uh, wallets, like uh, I mentioned MetaMask, um, is, is a big one that we use with a lot of elk users use that. Um, also, uh, token pocket, trust wallet, all of these things, um, are part of decentralized finance. Mm -hmm. So what MetaMask does or what trust wallet does or token pocket does is they don't have your money. MetaMask doesn't have your money, but what it does do is create an interface between you and the blockchain. So it, it's kind of the thing that allows you to see and access and use what you've got on the blockchain. So if MetaMask somehow ceases to be, you're still going to have your stuff, your tokens, whatever you have on the blockchain. Um, so that's kind of uh, the essence of, of DeFi, decentralized finance, 
is that you have your your tokens on the blockchain under your address of your wallet uh, all your transactions are visible but your identity isn't um, so that's kind of you know how that that works and of course that's not taking into account things like privacy coins like monero uh, for example um, or you know something elk finance might create some sort of privacy coin you know uh, of course those transactions wouldn't be traceable in the same way because that defeats those purpose but for the purpose of education you can kind of trace everything to everywhere and uh and you can kind of see that on the relevant uh scanner and a scanner is something that explores the blockchain for example on ethereum that would be ether scan uh, binance you know bsc scan etc 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 there's one for for every cryptocurrency blockchain so for these privacy coins isn't the whole mandate of cryptocurrency was about clarity trust and transparency and now with the creation of these coins we are going back to what the banks are doing you know offshore accounts hiding the money nobody knows what's happening well in a way it's it's about privacy so and they're not like the banks and that one key difference is that centralization piece it's not centralized it's it's both anonymous uh but independently validated so mm -hmm. it's kind of got the the benefits of those things and of course uh that explains why centralized exchanges like binance coinbase are really hesitant to host privacy coins on their exchange because of those risks that you mentioned mm -hmm. so when you're talking about decentralized versus centralized what, what is the position of centralized ones such as uh, binance what do they do how did they help this ecosystem well i mean for a lot of us they're a major on-ramp to get your 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 fiat money and that that just means regular people money <laughs> uh, from whatever uh, country you're from to get that to onboard it into the crypto ecosystem so that's one of the ways you can do it there are other ways like ramp for example where you can go right to DeFi if you want um and uh and and of course there's there's other things on top of that but that's the first one that comes to mind i like that expression people's money <laughs> people money ew <laughs> I remember one time I was having a chat with this random guy and he was talking about sex and decks and it was just like, what is sex? Well, well, I, I assume that you mean centralized exchanges. Because, oh, I know, thought yeah. that that's S. <laughs> I thought that I get coin and have sex, but okay. No, sorry. Um, not that kind of podcast, folks. Um, so yeah, that's C-E-X. Uh, so centralized exchange, like I mentioned, Binance, uh, they have like a, a ton of liquidity, a ton of backing for all of the tokens that they host. Um, so you can trade those back and forth between cryptos and fiat, i.e. human people money. Uh, and so it allows kind of that fast transfer without the limits 
of some older blockchains like Bitcoin, which transactions are quite expensive and can take quite a while. So uh, it doesn't necessarily uh, enter your wallet or, or uh, whether that be your, your human money wallet or your DeFi wallet, i.e. MetaMask, until it comes off of that exchange. So they've got a bunch of liquidity money backing that so that you can trade quickly and it's it's in one place. So that's one of the advantages of the centralized exchange. Mm-hmm. But it brings those same disadvantages that happen with real world money. It's yeah, regulated, right? right? Yeah. The whole idea is, is to have a non-regulated system. Uh, and uh, CEXs really kind of hone in on that traditional wisdom and process of a bank and 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 conversely though it's a great way to get started if you you're not sure it's kind of a nice transition i mean i used uh you know a centralized exchange more when i first started than i did you know later but it helped me get into it and kind of understand various cryptocurrencies and you know so there's some there's some advantages and disadvantages there okay that is interesting but based on what you're saying i get the impression that these uh centralized ones they have the same regulations as banking for instance they have to hold certain liquidity to be able to service the uh, these uh, contracts they have is that correct yeah, I believe they do have to back something. And it's not, I don't know so much if that's a legal requirement. I don't think so. Uh, though the reputation would be certainly damaged if you went to take out some crypto and you couldn't because they didn't have the liquidity backing it or, or there was an issue there. So I think it's an issue of self-preservation. They are subject to regulation though. And they they can very easily impose those regulations that whatever country they they're operating in uh decides to do sorry you're talking about the centralized exchange centralized exchange you're talking about the governments they can impose certain rules and regulations or you're Mm -hmm. talking about based on the needs they have these centralized systems they just come up with their own regulations in different geo markets yeah so both um they're subject to government regulations a great example is people in the United States aren't able to use the regular Binance. They have uh, Binance.us, I believe, and it's uh, they only have certain approved cryptocurrency. There's more thorough, maybe uh, Know Your Customer, also known as KYC, where you have to take a picture of your identity and kind of prove who you are kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, ha- they are subject to the rules of the government uh, where people are, are using them. Okay, that is interesting to know. I'm sure we're going to come back to this subject. Yeah. And we're going to discuss it more. Uh, the other thing which is kind of interesting to me, every day you just be uh, go through uh, um, the crypto news and one day is 40000 the other day is uh, $70,000 per Bitcoin. And it's just like, what the heck? What is the value of cryptocurrency? How should we value that? Well, I think... The value of cryptocurrency is what people make it. And the volatility is 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 both an exciting and to some people devastating part of cryptocurrency. Uh, so I think this is a great time to mention that you never, ever, 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 ever 
invest more than you can afford to lose. But I put all my money in cryptocurrency. <laughs> all right, I'll, you can live in the cardboard box outside. Um, but yeah, so it's the it's the value people assign to it. And although crypto is becoming a really, really large market, uh, when you look at crypto as a subsect of, you know, comparing it, I mean, sure, the crypto, uh, the liquidity and, and uh, the, the uh, what am I, look, what, is the, what is the word I'm looking for here? The amount of money in crypto is bigger than a lot of countries' entire GDPs. That is correct. And that is the shocking part of it because <laughs> yeah. I still can't take my crypto and uh, deal with it like a fiat currency to go buy services or goods. Yeah, and, and there are ways to do that. And they are coming out. Um, there's a lot of sites that uh, you can transfer certain cryptos to get gift cards. Um, I saw a video of somebody paying uh, for uh, Dunkin' Donuts with Ethereum <laughs> just Why today. Not? Yeah, right? <laughs> that is a sweet deal. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I saw that on Reddit today. So there are things like companies talking about you know, being able to accept crypto because it's a big market. Though it, it's big, but it's a small subsect of all of kind of the investments in the world here. So there's a lot of big players and they move a lot of money all around at once. So we can see big fluctuations here and there because it's highly speculative. Um, and the volatility is is great, but like I mentioned, can also be really risky. The value is what people make it. And I like to tend to stick to cryptocurrencies that have utility, uh, that have a purpose, you know, that aren't just Dogecoin, for example, um, where mm -hmm. there's really, you know, it was funny. And, you know, I'm a big fan of the Doge meme because I'm old. But, you know, there's there's a lack of utility there. Oh, shadows get going against Elon Musk. Here. That's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's kind of the value, I guess, is so that. Do you, do you think that we are kind of passing through this transient emotional state and now as more and more businesses trying to build in functions for crypto, we are going to see a stabilization and as a result, a little bit of more stability in crypto market? It's possible. Uh, I mean, I... It's hard to say, I guess, right? I mean, if more money is going in and people move it around a little less, then maybe, you know, we'd have more stable markets. Though if still a lot of people put money in, but the big players are moving huge billions of dollars around all at once, there's always going to be at least that part of crypto that's going to be very, very volatile. We've all gotten, some of us have gotten burned on some uh, really terrible projects in the past. Uh, I'm, I'm not looking at uh, the days of, you know, the Binance Smart Chain with uh, those shit coins that, uh, that start up and, we, uh, <laughs> and you lose all your money putting, putting in uh, there. But, you know, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking of. So do you think that we are going to go through a phase of consolidation as well, in a sense that a lot of shit coins, they're going to disappear. And as a result, we are going to have... Uh, I don't know, very um, 
certain number of them which are going to be traded heavily or still we're going to see a lot of shit coins keep coming out from everywhere well i think uh part of the the, the weird charm of crypto is that anyone can create a token uh, on certain chains, you know, on any chain, if they know enough, and it's very affordable. As much as I hate that, but I like <laughs> it too, <laughs> right? And that's kind of the beauty of it, right? It is. So that, I don't think that part's necessarily going to disappear the way I see it. I don't know, uh, though. I think we're going to probably eventually see um, slower movements in the big cryptocurrencies, like you know, Binance and Ethereum. But there's really no way to know. Uh, but if I had to take an uneducated guess, <laughs> that that would be my my thought. Fair enough. Fair enough. So you think, uh, um, what what's the future? So you think that you know what we are going to eventually end up with, getting out of this fiat currency, and as a result, we are going to basically adapt kind of the cryptocurrency concept, and that's going to be the new way of uh, living and shopping and doing things. I don't know. So I, I think that there's always going to be a big place, maybe even a bigger place f for the next bit, at least for fiat currency. Um, there's always going to be people who don't want to use cryptocurrency, who just don't get it, who don't have Internet or, you know, just don't 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 kind of believe in this model. So I, I'm thinking cryptocurrency is at least you know, going to be um, uh, kind of on the side as an option. You know, I think it, in a way, maybe I'm, I'm, uh, you know, uh, too, too young and, 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 you know, believing in fairy tales, but I think that uh, they can probably eventually, or they'll have to live peacefully next to each other as, as both kind of options. I think fiat and crypto, and as for what the future of crypto is, my grandpa never thinks that way. No, your like, grandfather doesn't do it. Yeah, doesn't he, think that way. He always kept his money in his uh, mattress. So <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, but as in the future, what does the future hold for cryptocurrency? Man, I mean, the blockchain can hold more than just transactions. There's a lot of data that can go in there. We're seeing a lot of cool projects. Uh, where people are using the blockchain to update and store uh, databases and update them along with transactions and other things. So I think that's uh, that's pretty cool. So we're going to see a lot of innovative things that, you know, somebody like me never would have like thought of. I think we're going to see some really creative engineering going forward. Absolutely. Uh, I should be honest with you. It's amazing what people can do in this uh market and what they can come up with the other thing which is i mean volatility aside you know because we are the market is finding its feet and people are just trying to kind of grasp the concept and you can see that the various cryptos they're coming up with the ways for transactions to just basically bring a little bit of more meaning as a media for exchange to it but one of the questions i always ask myself is what stops people from taking advantage of the others I create for each coin and start basically, um, I don't know, have a market cap of $100 million. What stops <laughs> me from robbing up all the money and just saying, you know what, guys, I'm sorry. This <laughs> well, is fine. Well, depending on the situation, nothing stops you. Uh, and 
you know, it depends on how solid your code is. If you've got any loopholes or purposeful backdoors so that you can take advantage, uh, you know, it happens all the time. And, you know, that term, of course, a lot of us here have heard it and it's, it's traumatic, but, uh, you know, you get rug pulled. They pull the rug from out, out from under you and, uh, you know, they, they take your money. They run off with it. A big example that recently happened was uh, Iron Finance. Right? Modern. Yeah, sorry, I can't swear in this podcast. <laughs> but uh, that was something that uh, somebody high profile, Mark Cuban, was in, and he lost billions, like, well, probably billions of dollars. I don't know. He didn't say, but well, that he... makes me feel good. <laughs> he always pretends that he knows everything. So, <laughs> yeah, and then all of a sudden he's in there talking about regulating decentralized finance. It's oh, like, man. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. So, really, the idea, what stops people from taking advantage is having a solid smart contract, uh, having having a solid to- uh, tokenomics, uh, and your code is uh, deployed in such a way it prevents, you know, attacks. People are always trying to find ways. And that's where audits come in. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, Elk Finance, we got uh, audited on every chain we're on, on, on Avalanche, on... How did you say audit, audited? Who who did that uh, audit? So this was a company called Hashex that did this audit, and uh, yeah, they they are you know a reputable audit company that looks at the code, looks for those errors, those those places where people might uh, take advantage, uh, and then you know they they inform us of the loopholes that if any that people could take advantage of label them as anywhere from low severity to high severity and then in order to pass the audit we would need to fix those if there were any we had some very small like low severity things here and there uh, but no nothing past low severity actually which was really cool to see but i'm not too worried being that the 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 development team is um insanely insanely thorough Okay. And you mentioned something about a smart contract. I mean, I love the word smart, but how a contract can be smart? <laughs> so a uh, smart contract is kind of just uh, refers to the code I was talking about, the code and the token. Um, you know, if you go to any uh, explorer, uh, like I mentioned before, like, you know, Etherscan or BSC scan or, you know, uh, C-Chain Explorer on AVAX or, you know, on and on and on. You go to any of those and you look up a token. Uh, for example, uh, you could look at the the Elk token. You'll and you and you go to the the contract address, uh, which identifies a smart contract, meaning it identifies a token. So you you go to that smart contract, uh, and you can actually read it and and use that contract manually. So it allows you to do certain functions with the token. And what you can do is only limited by the code. Uh, and then the code then comes together uh, to allow the user to interact with a smart contract, if that makes sense. That kind of makes sense. It's complicated, though. Yeah, it's not really super simple. Yeah, you know, because I don't know, the way you were talking about it, it's like I have the option of a smart and non-smart contract. <laughs> but 
definitely it's uh it's a, it requires quite a bit of work to make sure that you know what you're getting into sure and and you know what i don't actually even know if uh, there's a line between a, a dumb contract and a smart contract like what qualifies as a smart contract and what doesn't i'm guessing if you can go on and explore and interact with a contract for a, a token or an nft or something then it counts as a smart contract. However good or bad or smart or dumb that contract is, it, I think it falls under that category. I think, you know what, we're going to come back to this concept when we are talking about how we should pick a, a crypto. Because uh, as you said, there are a lot of them out there and you have to have a, you have to do your homework. It's the same as buying a house. You know, you don't really sign the first contract you get. You have to just go look for it and have to figure out if this is what you want and just basically follow the steps. And that's a good point. And that's something we will be touching on in future episodes. Uh, you know, what projects look interesting? How do we tell something uh, sketchy from something great? Or potentially, right? It's always a risk. And again, great time to mention, never invest more than you can afford to lose. Um I'm planning yeah. to spend five billion Zimbabwean dollars on my next transaction. There you go. That's big, big yeah. money. It's loaf of bread over here. Go big or go home, my that's, friend. That's right. Yeah. Um. So one uh, one last piece I wanted to touch on. We touched on the centralized exchanges, but what we didn't I didn't mention was uh, the difference between a centralized exchange and a decentralized exchange. Now and also you know you see that written as a DEX. Now, with a DEX, that's that's exactly what you'll find if you go to, you know, app.elk.finance, our uh, exchange. That's a decentralized exchange, meaning uh, you've got your uh, MetaMask wallet or your Trust wallet, whatever. You've got your, your tokens on the blockchain um, and you use the blockchain, you use that smart contract uh, for the DEX to exchange, let's say, one token for another. So you connect your wallet, you do the exchange, you, in theory, that's done, and you you know you disconnect your wallet. So in that way, that exchange is done directly on the blockchain, not through a centralized exchange. Mm -hmm. So you can trace it through the wallets, but it it's it's independently validated on the blockchain. So same as if you were doing things that we'll get into later, like providing liquidity or, or farming tokens. That's all done on decentralized uh, exchanges for the most part. Uh, so that happens, those transactions happen uh, right on the blockchain. Like when you use PancakeSwap, for example, on the Binance Smart Chain. Well, actually, that's a bad example because the Binance Smart Chain is actually a centralized, um, a centralized network, a centralized blockchain. So the bad example. If you use Pangolin uh, on AVAX, or um, you know, you go to uh, QuickSwap on Polygon, you use those, or or you head over to Phantom to Spooky Swap, for example, or Spirit Swap. Those are decentralized exchanges. You connect your wallet, make the exchange. The smart contract tells the blockchain what to do, and you pay for the gas, and that's a small amount of the token for whatever chain you're on. Uh, so, yeah, mm -hmm. that, getting back to that. You, I really appreciate going back to uh, that decentralized uh, uh, exchange. Um, you know what? I think uh, we covered quite a bit for the first day and the first episode. Uh, 
And I think, you know what, based on what I've heard, there are so much we need to go through uh, in the coming episodes. And I just want to thank everybody who's out there listening to this episode. And uh, I hope you really enjoyed it, actually. I learned a lot. And uh, we will come up with the next episode. And uh, we definitely share more on the crypto with you guys. Yeah. And and so, yeah, we really appreciate you listening to the, the first episode of the Elk Finance Podcast. Uh, again, I'm I'm Shiloh. And I'm Fareed. And please let us know if you have any feedback at all. Just message me on Telegram. Uh, you've, you can find Fareed and I, uh, as well as more material, material uh, on our Telegram. That's t.me slash elk underscore finance underscore chat. As well as on the website, which is a little bit easier to remember, elk.finance. And you can find more info there. So thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for listening to us.